You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Pitches swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Go Yohei gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a little A's baseball here on A's Cast. Coming your way in two hours. I know right now you are looking at the 2023 promotional schedule. I just want to comment, keep it up there, Cody, that this may be, now all of them are great, all of them. But looking at one in particular may be one of the best ones we've ever done. Now, obviously, the bobblehead's cool. Jackie Robinson hat's cool. You want your Bret Hart 80s knockoff Oakley-looking Viper, whatever they are. Pit Viper. Pit Viper. Is that really their name? I believe so. I don't know. I'm not hip. I'm 34 years old. Now. Those aren't hip. Those are like, those are not even 80s. Those are 90s. Yeah, first of all, don't Wasn't cr- Bret Hart the Don't 90s? you dare crap on the great Hall of Famer Bret Hart. Wasn't Bret Hart the 90s? Yes. Late, late 80s, early this 90s. This is 90s, man. All right, whatever. The A's Hawaiian shirt may be one of the coolest things we've ever given away. This might be up there with my um, Supercuts barbecue set. This is way before your time, Cody. We've given out some cool stuff over the years. This might be by far, this might be by far the best one. I think the A's Hawaiian shirt is going to be super cool. Super cool. All right, put us on screen. I love it. I mean, Hawaiian shirts to the ballpark. Are you kidding me? That's a no-brainer. I got a ton of Hawaiian shirts. You know, there was that Hawaiian shirt phase. Everybody had it. I, I, I got a ton of Hawaiian shirts. I don't wear them anymore. But I tell you what, an A's Hawaiian shirt, I'm definitely down. I'm going to find the exact date on that giveaway. Because think about that. I love wearing Hawaiian shirts. I mean, the only time to do it vacation, whether you're like you're in Hawaii or Mexico or whatever, now rolling to the ballpark in an ace Hawaiian shirt. David Don has a couple uh, long, 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 long time employee, David Don of the Oakland A. A great Oakland A, as we like to say, has multiple Hawaiian shirts. June 18th, Sunday, June 18th. Is that Father's Day? I think it might be Father's Day. Ooh, uh, it is. Uh, it's Father's Day. 
Father's Day, June 18th, against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Fightins you, are in town? You can get, all early arriving fans can get the A's Hawaiian shirt giveaway. Sunday, June 18th, get your tickets, athletics.com slash tickets. Don't forget May 4th, the Mark Hodze Mandalorian bobblehead. May the 4th be with you. Wow, look at you. Um, well, Bryce Harper, buying or selling. We'll get back to buying or selling at some point, the greatest game show. And uh, streaming. I put it up there. There's the Mando bobblehead giveaway. Will by, not May 4th, but by June 18th, will the great Bryce Harper be back for the Philadelphia Phillies? I'm probably selling. That's a that's a pretty early date for him. As they're saying, midsummer. Midsummer to me usually means, you know, around July-ish. Not the 4th, but a little bit after the 4th. Because we're we're past we're we're technically once we start getting into early July, aren't we past the halfway point? The halfway point is not the All Star break. Eighty one games in, we'll be probably like right at the beginning of July. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to see if they if there's been anything from spring training about when he could return, but I don't. Wait, hold on, Bryce Harper ahead of schedule and return from Tommy John. I'm just not betting on it, but I would love to see it. Right. This the- this is the thing about everybody playing everybody is that you're going to get a chance to see the best players in the sport. Everybody gets to see it. And that's something that, you know, Bryce Harper is one of the best guys in our sport. I want to see him. He's a great player. The Phillies, who should be good. I mean, you don't know. Quite a few teams go to the World Series, lose the World Series, and then stink the next year. So we'll see if uh, how that will work. But, yes, Hawaiian shirt, June – May the 4th in the Mandalorian bobblehead doll. I, maybe I'll need to start watching the Mandalorian on Disney Plus because as a person who will be celebrating Father's Day because I have kids, maybe I do need to go to old Disney Plus and Should. check out the Mandalorian. You're, you already have it, right? Of course I have it. So there you go. Three seasons. Are you kidding me? Well, I, I've got everything. I got Hulu, Netflix. I got it, and I don't watch it, really any of it. The kids and the wife do. I've got every subscription you could possibly have. May 4th against the Mariners. It's twelve thirty-seven game. Mark Kotze Mandalorian theme. That is pretty sweet. Athletics.com slash promotions to see all of our promotions. Athletics.com slash tickets to get your tickets for this game. The Hawaiian shirt uh, the Hawaiian shirt giveaway. I must said barbecue. Hawaiian shirt giveaway June 18th against the Phillies on Father's Day. Uh, other giveaways like the Tony Kemp poster. There's a the Pit Viper glasses. There's a um, – uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but the uh, fanny packs are big again. We're giving one of those away. I am. I am. My opinion on fanny my fanny packs will not be a part of this program today. Hey, by the way, text your buddy Vito and say you're welcome. I just want you to get on your phone, text your buddy Vito and say you're welcome. Uh, Vito. Oh, just text him. You're welcome. By the way, you haven't mentioned the shirt that I'm wearing today. Oh, I, I like that. How many people even still have this? I don't. I don't have it. That was probably uh-huh. that shirt's from how long ago? I have no idea, but it's one of the many that I have. That I'm not sure a lot of people still have this shirt. Not. It's not that old, but I think it's kind of a uh, only a select few of us still have it. All right, today we will be previewing the San Francisco Giants. We're going to talk about the Giants today. Well, I'm glad you're bringing on somebody that we love, so then I'll I'll, I'll be somewhat um, respectable. 
uh, the great Hall of Famer, Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer, will always be loved in this fan base. The great Marty Lurie is going to join us at 1030. Yes, Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. Uh, not too many people in the history of our medium better than Marty when you when it's talking ba- talking baseball. Marty, Marty is as well versed to talking baseball history as anybody I know. I mean, Marty has been the one guy in my career that's brought me so much information and sent me information uh, about my own grandfather that he finds. You know, baseball from the 40s and the 50s. Uh, Marty's great work about the PCL all these years. Uh, when you're talking baseball, you talk baseball with Marty Lurie, and he's going to join us at 1030. A leader of men. The original leader of men. You know, people are wondering who really is going to run for president coming up here in the next election. You know that, right? Yes. There's reports that there's Democrats that don't want Biden to run. We're not sure who's going to be the Republican nominee. I, I, how about Fran Reardon? I mean, he's you mentioned it, leader. When I think of great leaders in the U.S., I think of General MacArthur, um, who else am I thinking? Ulysses S. Grant, former president. I think of George great, Washington. George Washington. I think of great men who were generals who became. Well, I mean, two of them became know presidents. your history. If it's not for George Washington, we don't have what we have. They would have made him king. He said no. We're trying to get away from that. Yeah. And then won the war. Then became president. I mean, I don't know if there's a more important American than George Washington. Until Fran Reardon. Until Fran Reardon. <laughs> Fran Reardon. I mean, could you see it? Fran Reardon, 2024. Reardon, 2024. I don't know who he'd run with. Scott Emerson? Wow. As that's your a, vice president? That's a That ticket might. <laughs> if we're putting together baseball men, that might give be. Give me, <laughs> as the VP, give me the big lefty as our <laughs> VP. He'll get something done. You want a vice president that's going to get some stuff done? That's a, a, and, he, and you know what he'll use? Data. He's going to get stuff done with data. That's Scott Emerson. That could be our presidential ticket right there. What if he goes up there and just says, adapt or die? Like, like Brad Pitt did in Moneyball. He's going to use the data. And then Johnny on the spot. Is Johnny solo again today? No, I think he's with, I think he's with Vince. And we have the Kansas City Royals. The 6-1 Roy- the Kansas City Royals. Oh, is George Brett and Frank White and Steve Balboni back? Uh, Gooby and uh, all those guys. Uh, Brent Saberhagen. Brett, Brett Sa- Saberhagen. Brett Saberhagen. Um, who else was on that pitching staff that was really good? There's uh, another guy. That was Frank good. Tanana. Yeah. Are these guys back? Dan no. Dan Quisenberry closing out? No. Now it's. God rest his soul. It's Bobby Witt. Uh, uh, Brady Singer, Brad Keller. These are the guys. These are the names. Who's the guy know. with the? Who's the guy that is the media darling? Pescarelli. Pesca. Oh, Vinny Pascantini. Pesca, Pascantino. Yeah. He's a first baseman. What's? I think he's playing for Team Italy, by the way. Uh, Shocker. He's a. Uh, I believe Jess had him had him on pregame last year. Uh, he's a media darling now. He was on with somebody. I think he was, was on with Buster. Buster, yeah. Uh, Vinny. Pasquintino, yeah. Pasquintino, yeah. So he's got a great personality. So we'll see the Royals today. How about that? That should float your boat. Royals A's. Remember, Royals used to be in the AL West. Hard to believe, but yes, White Sox, Twins, Royals, folks. Guardians. Folks. No, they were always in the Uh East. Oh no! I'm just saying. I was other mentioning the division. I was just mentioning the division. I'm talking about the old AL oh. West. 
Wow. You had the Twins. You had the White Sox. It's like when the Falcons played in the 49ers division. Falcons and the, <laughs> and the, and the Saints were in the same division with the Niners. That made total sense, right? Yeah. A road game is all the way to the East Coast, or you got to go to uh, New Orleans, which is eh, it's like going to the East Coast, but, but not. Um, speaking of Scott Emerson, I think it's a great way to start today's program. And I've really been thinking about this because – what we are starting to see, and there's the top video today or the top article on MLB.com is uh, Peralta with, like, the fastest strikeout ever is some Pirates guy. Yeah, Wandy Peralta, 20-second strikeout against – I should know who the Pirate player was, but I didn't. 20 seconds. I was just more impressed with the strikeout. It, it's utilizing the clock or pitch timer to your advantage. And you think about it. It happens all the time in sports, and we're now going to get in baseball. And the traditionalists, once again, are going to be – they're going to have their, their their underwear in a bunch, but they'll get used to it. But think it happens all the time. And I love to talk about football because we know football is the most viewed thing in all of America. Thing. Whatever, whatever things that are on television, nothing is viewed more than football. The ratings tell you that. We as human beings in the United States of America consume football more than anything else. No American Idol, no Bachelor, no Mass Singer, no cooking show, no 911, everybody's dying, or hospital show, or lawyer show. Magna PI reboot. <laughs> Magna PI. Where's Tom Selleck? <laughs> it, it, there is only one thing that people are watching. <laughs> it is football. So, what happens usually on the goal line? I can tell you, because my days of being a sideline guy, I would follow the football wherever it would go. Unfortunately for the Raiders, it was always when I was there on their end, but I would follow it when the other team had the ball. And what you see is, is you use the clock and you use time to your advantage. So normally you see the quarterback, a lot of times in shotgun, but when we get inside the 20, you call it the red zone, you see him get under center, right? And I'll be... Red Razor 49, Red Razor 49. Then, you know, if they're going to change the play, kill, 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 34 blue five. You know, and they're doing all these calls, right? Because the quarterback is reading the defense, right? So he's switching the plays to where the defense is. But sometimes when you get down, especially right on the goal line, and they've brought in their goal line defense, and it's all the biggies. They're bringing in all the big boys. They'll go quick count. So they put the football down. They line up. Instead of going through those long calls that Peyton Manning's, fam- Peyton Manning's famous for it, right, because he had all the dummy calls in there. They would just line up. Quarterback gets under center. goes, Red Razor, and boom, they all go because they want to get that advantage of getting off the football at the goal line because when you get to the goal line, whoever has the lowest pads is going to win, and you're going to drive whichever side is going to drive each other. So you're utilizing the quick count as an advantage. Or you see all the time where teams draw out a long call because you want to get the other team to drop to, to, to jump off sides to get you a first down. And if you end up getting the five yards, you don't care, you're punting anyway. Utilizing time is your advantage. Now, I explained, I think it was with Grady Fuson or somebody, where what I think runners are going to do. If I was a runner, my strategy would be, I mean, the great ones from Ricky Henderson down, yeah, they're fast. 
But that's not why Maury Wills or Ricky Henderson or anybody stole that many bases. They stole a ton of bases because they were masters at reading the pitchers. They studied the pitchers, they knew their tendencies, and they knew exactly what they were going to do. So I stole bases off the pitcher. And I think that is going to happen dramatically now because now that we've seen where they're putting these pitch timers, it's going to be when you're leading off, as a, as, and you'll start to see it more once we get into big league stadiums, you're going to be able to look directly at it as a runner. So when I'm taking my lead off and I'm getting off and I'm getting off and I'm seeing that timer and it's ticking down, three, two, I'm gone, man. 20 seconds, I'm gone. When that thing's coming down to three, two, one, I'm out of here because I know he's not throwing over. And I think that if I'm Scott Emerson and I'm the pitching staff, I'm going to really do this right out of the gate. And we'll we'll talk to Emo again. You know, we'll do this. Let's let a few games go by and see how it plays out and say, hey, this is my strategy. Because you know they're listening and they really care what, what, what I'm saying. I mean, you could be hired on as an independent yeah. pitching like hey, guru. Hey, Craig Breslow is the director of pitching. What I Smartest what man in baseball? Something, well, yes. Uh, but his, he's like director of pitching for the Cubs. And maybe you could be a special assistant to the A's pitching coach. I'm telling you right now, this is what I do. Every single pitcher, I need to start practicing holding the baseball to the last minute. And when that when that runner thinks, oh, my God, he's not going to throw over, I'm going to go, boom, you throw over. And you need to get this, you need to get this on tape, as we like to call it. That the other team needs to know that Oakland A's pitchers will hold the ball and throw to the very last second. Scott Emerson says, and it's really all of baseball, this applies. Hitting is timing. Pitching is disruption of timing. Well, really, everything is disruption of timing. And the cat-mouse game on first base with a pitcher, I'm talking about a right-hander only. Left-hander, whole different ball game because these guys are balking the whole time, even though, even though they'll tell you, you know, Dallas Braden, we're not balking, you're balking. But they've got a whole different way to do it. I'm talking from a right – I can really speak from a right-hander's perspective. You want – that runner to think that, oh, my God, this guy will throw over with one second to go. Now, you only get three, so it's going to be on your first. But throughout the game, whenever they have a threat on base, you need to throw over because that's going to mess them up. Because you, your base dealer is going to think, oh, man, three, two, and he throws over? Uh-oh. Now it's in his head because – the runner is trying to time the pitcher. Ricky Henderson has talked about, I knew the pitcher's timing. I knew his rhythm. Once again, Scott Emerson says, hitting's timing, pitching is the disruption of timing. This is the same thing. Why do guys in baseball over the years, which they're not going to do anymore, would just, as a right-hander, turn and lob it over to first base? And they do it a couple times, and the fans boo. It was about disrupting the timing of the runner. It's just messing with him. That's all you're doing. I'm making simplistic. You're messing with the runner. Hey, man, get back to first. That's all you're trying to do. So I think it is so important to hold the baseball. I'm going to hold it. 
I'm going to look over my left shoulder, look at home plate, look at my left shoulder. I can see the clock because I'll be able to see really out of the left side of my eye or there's going to the one to the right side. I'll be able to see the clock. Three, two, one, boom, turn and try and get him. Put that so every team thinks, man, ace pitchers will, they're gutsy. Ace pitchers will, they'll wait till the last minute to throw over. Because these pitchers that don't do that are going to get run on at will. These closers who, it's kind of an embarrassment. From a pitching standpoint, it literally is embarrassing that A, they can't field their position, and B, they can't hold runners. It's an embarrassment. It's part of your job. I mean, it's like being a golfer saying, hey, all I do is drive and putt. I have no short game. Like, what? I mean, you've got to be able to, you know, all we do is throw the football. We can't run it. You have to be able to get to the green if after the drive. you got to be able to play. <laughs> you got to be able. It's a position. You have a position to play, you bozo. You can't field your position. You see how many, for some reason, because closers, clo- and I get it, you got to have the big bravado. you got to be that guy that's coming in, and I'm going to blow everybody away. You really can't work in the offseason on footwork and how to field your position. You can't work at holding runners. The ego, and it's amazing how we allow them and their egos to do whatever they want. Well, he had 40 saves last year, so we're not saying anything. What? Did anybody work harder than Jerry Rice or Tom Brady? No. And you're going to tell me Bozo Closer, who may be good for two, three years, we can't, hey, man, you need to work on your footwork. You need to work on picking. You need to work on fielding your position. They're going to try and lay bunts on you. You better get off the mound like a cat and be able to throw to third to get people out. You need to do your job. Who who was one of the greatest athletic pitchers that you would never think it in baseball? He won like how many gold? I think 16 gold gloves. Uh, Jim Cott. He was good. I'm thinking oh, you go Maddox. Maddox is good. Jim Cott. Uh, Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke. We're going to talk about current players. Zach Greinke is an incredible fielding pitcher as well. But Maddox was an – you look at him now and you're like, how is that guy a major league pitcher and an athlete? Maddox was a great athlete, especially on the mound. Yeah, he would still bag too as a hitter. But Ma- Maddox was so good on defense, fielding his position, where we see it during um, spring training and sometimes even – it's yeah, more so spring training, the, the – what do they call it? The PFP, the fielding uh, – pitcher fielding place. So it's great. Pitchers but fielding, fielding practice. Practice. Okay. Know the lingo. Well, I wasn't a pitcher, so um, – but I, I how, love how many gold gloves did Maddox win? Was it sixteen? I think it was sixteen. Let me see. Jim Cott won sixteen. You didn't know that. You just go to Maddox. You don't even you know Jim Cott is. Kitty. Oh, I, I misspoke. Eighteen time gold. Oh, glover. it's a fraud. <laughs> it really is a fraud. When someone wins this many gold gloves, that's the most lazy thing ever. Uh, how lazy is it where you just everybody? Oh, I'm just voting for the same guy every year. He won a gold glove at age forty two with the Padres and Dodgers. That's, How many games did he play in? Uh, that year, in 2008, he started 33 games that year. Wow. At 42. What? At 42, <laughs> Greg Maddox started 33 games, and DeGrom started 38 games in three years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you want to tell me how great DeGrom is again? Tell me how great DeGrom is when he – oh, by the way, he threw off the mound. Yeah. Isn't time, that great? Time to get excited in he Texas. He played catch. How much did they give him? 180-something million. Uh, ooh. It's just it's, it's a travesty. It's a travesty. But, yeah, I want – that's something that 
you know, spring training games, you're not going to show this, right? You don't want to show your cards. You don't want to show all the defense. You just don't want to do that. But I'm telling you, this has been on my mind. That's very, very important is how you're going to utilize your run game and then how you're going to defend the run game. That's huge for us. I mean, unless you're going to figure out how you got to get a bunch of guys hitting 30 bombs on this team, I don't see it. I mean, can you guarantee me anybody even hits 25 on this team? Guarantee me. Probably not. I mean, people will go, well, Seth Brown, because he did it last year. That was last year. What do you have? 25. Exactly. Okay, one guy, maybe. Hey, maybe, maybe just maybe your guy, Ryan Noda, can get there. You know Ryan Noda's out of options? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Speaking of players out of options, Pache with another hit yesterday. Up to 370. He listens to the show. Give him credit when Christian Pache hits. Because let's, let's just say this. If, if the light went on and Christian Pache started hitting, that would be great for us. Yeah, 375 now in spring. I know it's spring training, but we're going to overreact. Pache hit, oh, my God, it would be incredible. Because we already know he plays defense like a wizard. I mean, if you could have a a outfield that's got Ruiz and Pache in it, you got two center fielders, nothing's dropping. You're getting to everything. And it would make some really, really tough decisions for the front office. If Pache, because I got a feeling Pache right now is someone that they have made plans to not have in the organization anymore. Like this spring training, they mentioned it, right? Force mentioned it. Kotze mentioned it. There's a big big spring for Pache. Okay, so what if he has a big spring? It's going to make for some tough, tough decisions on are there some veteran guys that now got to go? Are you going to send guys down to Vegas that you really want here? Because I could tell you there's no way Mark Kotze is going to be – he swallowed the 102 last year because he knew. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. This year's not last year. Mark Kotze is not swallowing 100 losses again like it's nothing. So – I got to think Mark Kotze is going to go into that meeting room and he's going to fight for who he thinks that can help him win. Now. Now. When I mean now, you know what now is? No. Today. He's not going to be like, well, this guy's got options. and this. Kotze's not going to want to hear that. And, you know, with the whole thing, you don't hire Rossi if you want a puppet. <laughs> Thank you, Theo. Um you got to realize, Mark Kotze, nothing great. If you remember, Grady Fuson's like, you know, a lot of guys you're just making out the lineup. You don't do that with Mark Kotze. I mean, that's the great thing about having Grady Fuson out. He is so honest. He doesn't even know how honest he is because he's been in the game for so long. He doesn't care, right? <laughs> hey, Mark Kotze, I can tell you. Remember the Austin Pruitt start? Yeah, the great start of Austin Pruitt. We went five innings. Yeah, they the front office didn't want that. I don't know if I'm speaking at a at a turn here, but on that day, they did not. They wanted to call somebody else up. Kotze went, "Nope, this is what I'm gonna do." So when Barry Bloom was like, "Yeah, yeah, are you being told what to do?" That's not that's not who Mark Kotze is. Now it's a collaboration, 
and I have no problem with that because everything. I always throw that back to the Warriors. You want your manager in baseball in the Bay Area to call all the shots because that's what the skipper does. But you guys have all been cool that Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, and the core, they agree on all their things, and it's won championships. And we've celebrated that, right? Haven't we celebrated the Warriors as one great big think tank? Yes. We've celebrated it. But now in baseball, nope, can't do that. It's got to be the skipper. No, it's a collaboration. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. But Mark Kotze is not a guy that, if you know Mark Kotze, he is not somebody that's going to be bullied. And he's not going to be somebody who you're just going to go, you wouldn't hire him if you wanted to be able to go, hey, Jack, this is what we're doing and you're going to do it. You would not hire him. And there's a couple reasons why. Mark Kotze has made enough money. He doesn't need this job, right? Mark Kotze doesn't have to do this, and Mark Kotze could easily have jobs wherever he wanted, right? He could have said no and kept his job with the A's. He could easily have a job with the Padres because of his relationship in San Diego, and he could easily be on the staff of Bruce Bochy because Bochy loves him, and he could be on the staff of the Rangers. So Mark Kotze is not somebody who's desperate for a gig. A's got enough cash, and B – uh, there's plenty of places he could go. So you're just not telling Mark Kotze, hey, this is what you're doing. So Austin Pruitt, I could tell you on that day, that was a, hey, no, I'm starting this guy, which was kind of like, what are we doing here? If you remember correctly, that was kind of a, we're starting Austin Pruitt? Yeah, that was a Kotze deal, and it worked out. But Mark Kotze makes a lot more decisions than you think. So Mark Kotze is going to be in that room, and he's going to be, he's going to be saying, "Hey, I need, I took it last year. I, I can just tell you, talking to Kotze this year, Mark Kotze, he knows. Hey, he knows they're not winning the division, but he's not going to be a guy that's, uh, let's just say, taking a hundred losses easy. He's going to fight for every win." Oh, yes. Sorry, I, was really, I, was, I see Marty's connecting. But uh, imagine the upside if Pache ends up hitting and you have um, S.T. Ruiz, and if J.J. Bleday can live up to his potential. That's a very exciting outfield if that's what they want to go with in the future. You still have Connor Capel, who we know can hit, um, and he's having an, an, a good start to the spring. But Pache starting to hit is a good sign. I know he's out of options. A lot of decisions, and you, I didn't know about Noda not having options. So that's Noda doesn't that's, have options. That's another one. Noda's here, man. He's Rule Five. He's here to stay. I think you just need to get to get, to get used to that. 
All righty, it is time to preview the San Francisco Giants with a Radio Hall of Famer, a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. A's fans, you know all his great work for all these years, being around the A's broadcast, now what he does with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, When you think about a baseball historian, when you think about somebody that knows the game, whether it's the big league level down to the minor league level, his work about the PCL has been absolutely incredible. There is nobody like the great Marty Lurie, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you down there in the Valley of the Sun? Very good. I'm the only guy who can tell you who played shortstop next to your grandfather in 1948, so you know that. Fact. Fact. (laughs) Alvin Alvin Dark, Rookie of the Year. I I, I said before, (laughs) before you were here, I said, Marty has sent me so much stuff about my grandfather that I've passed on to my brother and my cousin. Uh, Baseball history has been something for you. It's been a passion. The way I think you see with people who are like professors in college of history and whether you love World War I or it's World War II or whatever uh, whatever thing in history that you love, certain cultures, that for you has been like baseball. Like if there was a baseball class to teach, you could roll right in and do baseball history at any university. Yeah, it's beautiful because that's what baseball is all about. It's generational. It builds on the shoulders of the first generation, the second, the third, the fourth. And that's what connects us. And it's like a religion. We love the stories. And it's an unconditional friend. It's always there when we need it. And it's going to show up uh, in March. And we're going to have this story that will take us right through the end of the end of October, November. And baseball has always been changing. We're going to change a lot with these new rules. But when you think about all the different decades of baseball, if you had to say which one was actually, I'm not going to say the best played, but the most (laughs) entertaining, which decade of baseball, in your opinion, was the most entertaining? The 60s. Uh, I think the 60s are unbelievable. The American League finally was sort of catching up with African-American players and players of color. And the National League, of course, had done that well in advance of the American League. But when you look at the players who played in the 60s, I think that was the toughest decade of Major League Baseball that we had ever seen. Because it was such a difference in the 50s. The 60s, the stars really came out. The Hall of Famers really came out. So I'd say the 60s for me. Well, and, 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 you know, I try to tell people all the time, Marty, that – Baseball has changed so much. Like back in the day, you had a commissioner, but like truly, the two leagues were different. The umpires were different. They both had their own. They both had their own presidents. I mean, you had two. They were different from each other. Like now, like you try and think like football, basketball, baseball. Everybody plays everybody. But back in the day, these these two leagues, the National League and the American League, were truly separate and different. It's wild. Well, they had a real rivalry. Uh, It was a big deal to win the All-Star game. The league presidents would come in and make a speech before the All-Star game. (laughs) If you you listen to an All-Star game in 1958, for instance, uh, it's 4-3 American League. It's the eighth inning. And Mantle is still in the game. Mays is still in the game. Musial's in the game. Banks is in the game. That's the way the All-Star game was played in those days. But... You bring up a good point about the umpires. The American League umpires had the balloon chest protector. 
the outside chest protector, so they couldn't get down and see the low pitch as well. So the American League was known as a high-pitch, high-strike league, and the National League was known as a low-strike league. So that was different at that point as well. But we had different league presidents, different umpires, uh, and different ballparks. And the whole thing was different. Spring training, you may see some teams play each other. But when that World Series came around, you had never seen the team play the other team before. And it really was... How is how the heck are the A's going to match up with the Dodgers? How are they going to match up with the Giants? You only had spring training to go by, and that that made the World Series really special. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, we start thinking about the legendary matchups and the legendary players. They would only face each other one time. I mean, yeah. you, you think about the great Hank Aaron uh, going up against the New York Yankees. Hank Aaron didn't have a lot of postseason, but when he did, he hammered the Yankees. It's those special moments, but uh, I do like that. Every I do like that all the kids and everybody now, you get to see everybody. I remember the uh -huh. I mean, thing about this, Marty. I had, I had never seen the Yankees with my own eyes until I came to play baseball at San Jose State. My first game ever was A's-Yankees at the Coliseum. It was the first time I'd ever seen the New York Yankees, and I was, what, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, we're, we are very, very, very lucky to be in the Bay Area uh, with a two-team market. The fact that we can see the American League, see National League. But now with the new schedule, we're going to see everybody. And that's okay. I have no problem with it. I think baseball is universal. It does make it interesting to every other year you're going to get a home game uh, with the Yankees or with the Orioles or a team that's really coming on. We still have the rivalry between the A's and the Giants. We'll have four games with them this year. But the fact that we're going to play everybody in the other leagues, seven home, seven away, three-game series, I think it's terrific. I really look forward to it. As a baseball historian, I remember a few years ago, we were doing an interview with you, and, and you really educated us when people are talking about, ah, you can't change in baseball. And you were like, no, they've always changed in baseball. That baseball is yeah. always changing. So, yeah, we have new rules. We have new stuff going on. But our sport's always been doing that. No, absolutely. Uh, they changed the ball, and they would never tell you. And then there was a point in time when they did tell you in 1930, if you look at all the statistics of 1930 and the great A's teams of 29, 30 and 31, they used a ball that was like a golf ball. And uh, Jimmy Fox just crushed the ball and Al Simmons and all these names of uh, A's history. So the, the equipment has been different. It's changed over the years. The baseball has been different. The ballparks are different. Um, and it's okay to change. They can do whatever they want, but you still need 27 outs. The last three outs are going to be the toughest, and you're still going to have to hit behind the runner to move a guy over when you're going to have to score a run. You're still going to have to throw a head in the count. If you get behind in the count, the hitter's going to kill you. And the game, that part of the game is never going to change, but there are certain aspects of it that will change this year. And we'll see the pitch count. Uh, the pitch clock, rather, the way that works, the bases, the shift and everything else. So it's going to look different to us. It's going to look a little bit on fast forward. But what I see in spring training down here, it's an experiment. 
And these players are so smart. I mean, they're already, the pitchers are already figuring out how to trick the hitters with the pitch clock. And the hitters are trying to figure out how to slow the pitcher down and step out of the box and do this and that. The base dealers are going to try to figure out when they can go. Uh, baseball always adapts to the rules. And I, I frankly think, Chris, this is going to be the most interesting year we've ever seen in baseball with the fact of the pitch clock and the way they're going to operate with it and with the n not having the shift and the bigger bases make a difference too. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting. This is going to be a very unique spring training, and I think what's ahead will be amazing. Yeah, I, I knowing guys that 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 are, are good friends who really don't go to games much anymore have said, you know, God, I, you know, if I can get out of there two hours and thirty minutes on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I can actually go to the game and not worry about work tomorrow or bring my kids to the game. So. Once it really gets out and we actually see regular season games, they're not going well over three hours. Uh, it's going to be a good advertisement for attendance, no question about it, and something that when you when you talk about the 60s and athleticism, I'm just excited. You know, being a kid that grew up in the 80s, all the base stealers. I mean, when I was growing up, it's Ricky Henderson, it's Vince Coleman, it's Tim Raines. Everybody was stealing bags. Our buddy Bip Roberts, uh, who I got to watch growing up. I, mean, I, I can't wait, Marty, to see the base stealer back in the game. Yeah, yeah, it's coming, and uh, we'll see it. Well, they'll figure out, you know, after the first pickoff, will they go on the second one? Uh, there's going to be a lot of back picks. The catcher's going to be throwing the first base a lot to keep the runner close. Uh, but having bigger bases and the fact that you can run after they have thrown over twice, they got to get you or else it's a balk, that will be different. I think we're going to see many, many more stolen bases this year. Look, and Billy Bean figured this out back in 2000. I always remember him saying it. I say, well, why don't you run more? He says, well, you got to be successful 80% of the time to make it work statistically. And if these guys can get there 80% of the time, you're going to see a lot of people running. So that's something that we'll, we'll enjoy at the ballpark. But for the players, see, the fans are going to have fun. But the players, this is really a challenge because the pitcher has got to, you know, you, you got to think about the pitch you have to think about executing the pitch you have to think about where you are in the rubber you got to think about your breathing and all this happens in 15 seconds and all of a sudden instead of thinking about all that at the end before you deliver it you're looking and saying uh-oh i only got four seconds to go <laughs> and then the pitch is not as much of a quality pitch same thing with the hitter the hitter gets in the box he's got to be there at eight seconds well, what if he stands there at 10 seconds? Now the pitcher on the mound says, all right, he's already taken one timeout. He can't step out. I'm going to hold the ball until two seconds. So now I've frozen him for eight seconds or 10 seconds. It's an eternity that what they're going to do to the hitter. So the hitter's got to step out. If he's down 0-2, 1-2 in the count, he's got to step out and take his timeout and regroup at that point. So there's so much going on. It does affect the players, and that's my concern, whether the quality of the game will be different because of the uh, trying to speed up the game. For the fans, it's great, but for the players, they really have to adjust to this. Let's read some names here, some notable free agent additions for the San Francisco Giants. Mitch Haniger, 
our, our old buddy Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling, Michael Conforto, who sat out all last year, but obviously had some big years with the Mets, uh, Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson. You know, the whole Carlos Correa thing ended up looking bad. Giants went out, tried to spend big money. We were there at the winter meetings uh, when they weren't able to land Aaron Judge, when supposedly they were. Then they pivoted to Correa. The x-rays didn't go the way they wanted. It was really ugly. But in the end, Farhan went out and got a lot of guys. And I just have the feeling that if these guys stay healthy and they're productive, I got a feeling that the Giants are going to be better than we think, Marty. Well, they're definitely better than last year. There's no question. They had guys last year who did not have a high ceiling. What we've got this year are people that actually we're not sure what the ceiling is going to be. And if it's the right ceiling, they're going to go up in their abilities and their numbers. So there's no doubt in my mind that this is a better team than we saw last year. Last year, there were a lot of fill-in players. We don't have that this year. So defense is still a question on the corners. We'll see what happens there. But not getting Correa, they missed having an anchor guy at the number three spot. So we'll have to see what Conforto does, what Hanniger does, what Flores does, uh, Jock Peterson and people like that. They still platoon all the time. Um, and they, they're a little rough on the corners defensively. Lamont Wade is another guy coming back. He looks terrific. He looks so healthy, and he looks terrific down here. Uh, in right field, you get Hanniger or Conforto, as I say. Yastrzemski, Slater, who's got a bad elbow right now in center field. Uh, J.D. Davis and Flores on the corners. Uh, you've got first base. You have a Flores and Wade there. you got a VR who had 35 homers between Sacramento and the Giants last year. Joey Bart has been challenged at catcher, and maybe it's working because he's crushing the ball yeah. down here. So we'll see how that turns out. But you brought up the pitching. And this is what's going on in baseball. Teams are going to six or seven-man rotation. Six-man for sure. We've seen two or three teams announce they're going to go with a six-man rotation. The Giants have a six-man rotation with Junis going to the bullpen. You know Junis from Kansas City. Uh, they've got a lot of depth in the starting pitching. Manaya went to driveline for the whole winter, except for two weeks in, in Antarctica to see penguins. But uh, his <laughs> velocity has gone up, you know, uh, two or three miles. So he's very happy. Uh, Alex Wood, you got Logan Webb, you got Stripling. Uh, you know, you've got people who, who can pitch here. And the bullpen is fairly deep. Uh, they've got a bunch lefties, righties. You've got the two Rogers twins who I, I don't know who I'm talking to when I see them. It's impossible to tell them apart. But one's a lefty, one's a righty. Uh, Duvall's a good closer. Uh, the Dodgers are a little banged up. They lost Lux. Their pitching now is a little different. Now they're relying on young players to make it. Before, they would just work them into the lineup, and if it worked fine. Now they, these guys have got to make it. So the Dodgers, we'll see. Uh, the Padres are a team that uh, the top of the lineup is fabulous, but they're going to need a six-man rotation uh, in their starting staff. And Arizona's better. They're a young team coming on. They're better, too. Uh, are they going to contend? Probably not, but no one's going to push them around this year. And Colorado, I can't figure out. I don't know what's going on. You know, you mentioned ceiling, and I'm just kind of laughing, you know, you know, 
you know, last year at, at, at our training camp, there weren't too many guys that actually had a ceiling. That's kind of scary when you're at spring training and you don't even see a ceiling for guys. Yeah, so that's the one thing. That, you know, if these guys stay healthy, then you don't have to go in and make 60 transactions. But if they don't stay healthy, again, the farm system at the top is not really ready to produce many people to take over. So you could fall into it. If they're not healthy, you could fall into that again. It's not impossible. Um, but Kyle Harrison from De La Salle looks like a real deal. Good lefty arm. One of the best in baseball. He'll be in Sacramento. And the other one is this Casey Schmidt from your neck of the woods down in San Diego. Uh, he, he reminds me of Chavez a little bit. He reminds me of Eric playing third base. Uh, not Chapman. I don't see Chapman, but I see a little more of Eric in there. You know, who's, who's, he, the kid's going to develop. He swings the bat well. So Schmidt and Harrison are going to get to the big leagues this year. But other than that, there's not a lot ready. And that's my worry about the team. If they got to go in the, into the minors, there's not a lot there. Not a lot. They got Piscotti here, by the way. Is, and so Stephen, who you know well, yeah. he's in camp too. And uh, he's got a shot to make this team. If not, I hope he goes to Sacramento because he'll be in the big leagues this year. You know, I years ago it was a four-man rotation. Now yeah. five-man rotation. It. I mean, have we, have we ever seen that work in the history of baseball where you're going to rely on six guys, one guy every six days? Well, no. There used to be a guy he would pitch every Sunday. Uh, Ted Lyons, the great Hall of Famer for the White Sox, that you knew he was going to pitch every Sunday. That's he was a Sunday pitcher. Uh, you know, certain pitchers would would be held out by certain managers to pitch against better teams. We've seen that before, which upset the rotation. But I don't. I can never remember seeing a six man rotation that they are literally talking about doing. It's not just the Giants. Yeah. The Padres are talking about it. There are other teams in baseball the, the that are Mets. talking about it. The Mets have talked about it now. And how about the Dodgers? What are they going to do? They've got loads of pitchers. Syndergaard is there. Kershaw, May, Urias. Uh, they, they've got a lot of people to work into that rotation, too. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Six guys. There's 30 teams. Six guys. For, do we? Are there enough starters on planet Earth? that are good enough to pitch at the big league level in a six-man rotation? No. Well, now you don't have to go seven or eight innings. So if you give me the, the Di Sclafani and you tell me that Junis is coming in behind them, all right, so I can put Di Sclafani in, just give me four innings or five innings, and I'm coming back with Junis next. Here's Manaya. Just give me five innings. That's all I want from you. So just go as hard as you can for five. And that's the way the game has evolved. And that's why you can use a six starter because you're not saying, hey, give me eight or nine innings every every turn. You just want it to give you enough innings to eat up that inning, that game, because you have to start 162 games. So the difference is you don't have to go eight or nine innings so you can mess around with the rotation. 
Haniger and Confort. I love Mitch Haniger. I, I did that. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I can't remember ever seeing him play. So you tell me. Him yeah. He well, went healthy and I, and I got to do the uh, Santa Clara County baseball banquet and we honored him and, and jock and Mitch Haniger is just the nicest guy, Marty. You're going to love him. It's just, can he stay healthy? And obviously Conforto sat, sat out all year long, but if those guys bring the thump, that could be the thump that the giants are missing now that, you know, they didn't end up with, with Judge or Correa. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, you got to have table setters at the top of the lineup to get on and do that. They look to me like a team built more on power and not speed. They're a little more station to station uh, than I like. I like to see a little bit more speed. And then maybe the pitch clock and the bases and all that will help them run a little bit more, get a better jump. But to me, they look like... They're relying more on power. And when they won 107 games a couple of years ago, they had 250 home runs. So I think they like that, the way Farhan has put the team together. It's a little older, and it's a little more stationary. And it's look, there's no – Longoria's gone. You know, Belt is gone. Of course, Posey is gone. Uh, it's a different kind of team now. But they, they do rely on power. You've been around big league managers for a long time. You've studied big league managers. How's your relationship with Gabe Kapler, and how do you feel about him as a as a leader of a franchise? He's grown up a lot. Uh, I, I'd say, and I said it on the air, he's, he's almost done a 180 this spring. You know, he sits and he talks and he's patient and he laughs and this and that. And, of course, no games have happened yet. So let, <laughs> let's see when the season starts. But so far, he's been a pleasure. And like he says, look, Chris, the way this organization is set up, he's not calling the shots. He's got 18 coaches. He's got, he's got an analytics department. Whatever happens in this team, it's a consensus opinion of the way they want to play. So they know ahead of time who to put in and where to put in and who, what pockets they're going to look for with certain batters. And he executes it well, but he's gotten a little more glib. I think he's going to relate better to the fans as opposed to talking over their heads all the time, you know, with a lot of analytical mumbo jumbo. Uh, he's, he's definitely, he's not Ken Maka, you know, he's not Art Howe, he's not Bobby Cox, but he's not uh, as stiff as he was in the past. So I think he's going to be better. I do. Let's end on this. And I know Ray Fossey was trying to do this towards the end. God love our man, Ray Fossey. But you have done so many interviews. I mean, the amount of interviews you have done, are you preserving them? Is there ever going to be a place where we can get, like me, I, I mention it all the time with you, your relationship with Tory Hunter and the stuff that you would get out of Tory Hunter, whether he was in Minnesota or he was in Anaheim, I mean, Tory was just wonderful. You guys had a great, like, are we ever going to have this vault where we can go and just enjoy and geek out on all your great interviews? Yeah, yeah, they are all, almost all of them are digitalized right now. A lot of the stuff I did, you know, look, I did the A's pregame from 98 to 09. And Chris, I did it every single day, like you. You know, you work so hard. I would do a 90-minute show every single day. And to do 90 minutes by myself, I would have to have five or six different interviews every single day. So a lot of the stuff I have is on CD, 
of the I have all the many, many, many of my pregames from the A's with a lot of the CDs uh, filled up with interviews. But then we also have the digital side of the ones that were on the recorder. And those have been put on the Internet that we have them in a hard drive, which will never lose them. So it's on my mind. But there's so many yeah. on the day to day CDs that the stations would you know, prepare for me that someone's got to sit down. It'll take uh, two years to listen to everything. Listen to Ken Corrick and me rattle the lumber. Listen to me and Vinny, me and Shooty, uh, you know, Maka, Garen, whoever it was. There's just so much stuff there. It's really it's really the history of the A's from 98 to 09. It's really very complete. Well, I, I don't need to tell everybody how great you are. You're a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. They already did that for me. You're the hardest working guy in this business. And I tell you that. I look at what you do every day and how much you get done. It's absolutely incredible. You and Larry, Larry Kruger, you two guys are the hardest working guys in the Bay Area. And you're an icon. All I can say is when you call me, I'm coming on the show. Wow, that's that's very kind. But we all we, we all know who you are, Marty. I mean, when you get your own bobblehead, for God's sakes, that is a big deal. Uh, $79 on eBay. <laughs> that's when you're big league. Well, you know how much you mean to, to this fan base, how much you mean to me, and everything you've done for me in my career and helping me find information uh, about my grandfather. I'll always be indebted. Be well, and we'll see you down there. I'll be down there about March 11th. We'll be back. Oh, we, good. We were just there. We've come back. We'll be back again. But uh, can't wait to see you. And be well. And uh, stay warm in Arizona. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I will tell you this, being that I live in Arizona, some of the fans went, yes, I am Marty Lurie. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> the fans are coming up to the booth already. Um, I, I live here. So the fact that it's a little cooler, not a problem. Because believe me, in June and July and August, it's going to be 112. So I can put up with 58 right now. And I, <laughs> believe me, it's a very, very hot place in the summer. So I'm going to be more in the Bay Area in the summer, believe me. All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. All right. Be well. Always a pleasure. The great I'll see you on the 17th. I think Giants A's over in Mesa. I'll probably see you on, I think, March 17th, something like that. Beautiful. Take care. Okay. Be well. Bye-bye. The great Marty Lurie right here on A's Cast Live. Legend. Like, you know, like I said, I don't have to build him up. He's in the radio Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. Ken Korak is in the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. We were there for it. I wasn't, but, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you had to work. Yeah, you guys. You guys all get to celebrate. Somebody's still got to man the ship. As Marty said, yeah. You know, you think, what does Townsend do? Yeah. I'm the one working every day. While oh. you, while you're off to, oh, we're going to San Luis Obispo. Yeah, I'm, oh, we're going to Napa. Oh, blah, blah. you know where I'm going? The Coliseum. The Coliseum. Speaking of uh, San Luis, where am I on Saturdays and Sundays? I'm at the Coliseum. Where am I Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? I'm at the Coliseum. Speaking of San Luis, I'm going tomorrow to watch Cal Poly play Oregon. Of course you are. Watch them play Oregon State. Of course you are. You're on another vacation. And then Saturday, Sundays, AEW Revolution at Chase Center. I know a lot of Ace fans that'll be there. The what? Wrestling on Sunday, pay-per-view at Chase Center. Well, that's not like WWE, right? It's the other company. I Who? Be- I believe it's AEW, All Elite Wrestling. I believe. By the way, you showed me today one of the funniest things <laughs> where a wrestler is imitating Bre- uh, Ric Flair to Ric Flair 
I wish we could play the whole thing. It's it's priceless. Uh, it's Ric Flair right now on Instagram. The non-contextual. What's it exactly? No, no context. Flair. No context. Flair is everybody's. I mean, I got people sending it to me all the time, <laughs> and I'm sending it to people. It's the best. It's uh the wrestlers. He's now in AEW. It's Jay Lethal back when they were at Impact TNA, and he does the whole woo off, and he does he's, everything. He's got Flair down to yeah. a T. Well, there's no question. Whoever you consider your favorite wrestler, everybody's got their favorite guy. Everybody thinks whoever. Nobody was better than Ric Flair as an entertainer. No. He's not even close. Those videos are the best. I mean, I know there's like a Dusty Rhodes one, and Dusty's very entertaining, but they're not Flair. Flair's are interviews. Like The Rock. Rock would do his stuff. His were more promos than anything. Right, and he'd do third person, and he'd, he'd rip a guy real quick. You're talking about... Ric Flair comes out and does full-on, like, their real sports interviews, right? <laughs> the great Tony Schiavone. And he's coming uh, out. AEW broadcaster. He'll be there Sunday. And he's talking to the crowd. <laughs> He'll be out there for, like, five minutes. Like, it's like a real it's like a real athlete talking to a real broadcaster. I mean, <laughs> and some of the stuff that they say you just could not say today. You're talking to the Rolex wearing... <laughs> Diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. There was one that you sent me where he's talking about females and he's ripping some females in the crowd. I'm like, there's stuff yeah. like you couldn't do that today. No, even you in the even in not the, get even if it's wrestling, you could get away with that. Today. Even even in the one I sent that I showed you this morning with Jay Lethal when he calls out the women in the crowd. Be crowdery. careful, be yeah. careful. There's yeah. just certain things yeah. that he said, yeah. descriptions <laughs> yeah. that you couldn't do today. No, but that, but that the Jay, Jay Lethal taking off his jacket and doing the Ric Flair strut and then drop doing the elbow drop on but, the jacket. But <laughs> it's but so good. if you could see you you could see it on YouTube. His mannerisms and his cadence, he's got it down. I mean, impressions are hard. I mean, you got to sound like the guy. You've got to have the same rhythm, the same cadence, the and he's got it down. Pretty good. Uh, back to the Giants. And whenever we can have Marty Lurie, I mean, Mar- Marty is gold. He's absolute gold. He's a treasure. He's our Giants insider. And, but he's our baseball historian. Yeah. We'll just bring we, him on because he, he does a great job at KBR. Um, I do think that the Giants are going to be in this thing. The Dodgers are coming down. That whole 104 wins, four out of five years, not happening. I'm betting against that. I'm saying they win under 100. Padres, who are now talking about signing out Juan Soto. It's and like, Hater. Oh, my God. But Padre, I could see the win. I I could see the winner of that division with, like, 96, 97, 95 around in there. So you're looking at, like, an AL East race, essentially, what, yeah. the last couple of years. I, a, a big three. And, like, what, what what the Giants would be last year would be the Phillies. Like, this thing was a, a lot of the uh, Mets led the division throughout the year. I would see that being either the Padres or the Dodgers. Phillies get in the wild card. That would be the Giants. Like, I mean, look at these names. I mean, Farhan did a really good job of going out and getting some players. I mean, this group of players right here, once again, it's all an if, and if doesn't win baseball games, but it's an if. If Mitch Hanniger, if Sean Manaya, if Ross Stripling, Michael Conforto, Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson, you know, they got what? 
Cobb and Webb, Webb. and I mean they got. I mean, you know the one thing. Alex I, Wood. The the other thing that I didn't get, I didn't get to ask Marty, and we'll see. You really don't know until game starts. They were horrific defensively. Yes. They were horrific. Now I I I watch Giants baseball because we're in the market, so they're always on. Right? They'll be on. I'll watch it on TV. I'll watch it at the gym uh, when we're not on. So I, I, but I'm not watching it every day like I watch A's baseball. But all the numbers said they stunk defensively. So they got to get better defensively. But I do see, and as much as the Giants clamor, fans clam, clamor for, and once again, A's fans, we're doing every team. We did the Rockies yesterday. I know we're doing the Giants today. I can already hear our fans. What are you talking about the Giants for? Who's tomorrow? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. The the great Arizona Diamondbacks the and our snakes and our old friend, not Tori Lavelle saving him for the regular season, not Luis Gonzalez, Gonzo, the great Johnny Gomes. Oh, my guy Johnny Petal Gomes. Own. I one talked my, to him one yesterday. One of my favorite A's of all time, Johnny Gomes. Uh I love me some snakes. They got the worst uniforms, but Tori Lavello and the snakes. I gave you that stat yesterday. They stole 68 bags after the All-Star break. That's a clip of 80.9% success rate. 80.9. And if Billy Bean says you got to steal 80% to make it worthwhile, they did it in the second half. I'm loving me, my wild card to win the West will be the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll preview them on Tuesday. But jo- Johnny's title, minor league outfield and base running coordinator. Well, they sold a lot of bases, and they have a lot of young guys that can still like Corbin Carroll. Johnny Gomes is a big part of that. Hey, when I think about running, I think Johnny <laughs> Gomes. Let me tell you that. Speedster Johnny Gomes. Yeah, but, you know, to do the Giants justice, yeah, you didn't get Judge, you didn't get Correa, but you got a bunch of guys that if they play pretty well, I'm not saying they have to play great, they play pretty well, Giants will be a much better team. And you'll be like, wow, good moves by far on. Because now wait, what are you looking at? You're looking at 107 wins. That's what they won two years ago, right? Correct. The Dodgers won 106. And they won 81 last year. 81 and 81. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you got all these analytic people. You got all these coaches. Kapler thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. I actually like Gabe Kapler. Yeah, friend of the program. And, yeah, Gabe Kapler years ago when he was a Fox Sports guy used to come on my talk show when I was on 95.7 The Game. I used to have Kapler on all the time. And you could get into – Kapler's a kind of a fascinating dude because you can get into – you can get into the whole baseball, but you can get into – we would get into fitness and training and stuff. I mean, Kapler is a smart guy. Then we then we got to meet him in person at the winter meetings in 2019. I like Kapler. I do. Eh, but we'll see, you know. We'll see if the Giants can make it happen. But we do know this. You just can't get a big-time free agent to come to the Bay Area unless you grossly overpay. That's just that. You know what? It's fact, folks. You know, as much as, you know, we sit here, we sit here and say it all the time. Oh, the Bay Area is the greatest place to live. Yes, we love living here, right? I've lived here my entire adult life. I love living here. But I know the reality of state taxes. I know how agents think. I know how players think. And I know about our weather. As much as we act like our weather's great, our weather on the San Francisco Bay stinks. And when you're watching a game in June and July at what, Pac Bell Park, is it SBC Global now? What is it? Oracle Park. What are the other names? SBC Global. AT&T. AT&T, Pac Bell. 
So then it went to AT and T, and then it now is Oracle. So four Pac Bell. It opened up as Pac Bell, then SBC Global, AT and T, Oracle, Oracle. It's it's only had four. Yeah, four names. Um, the weather. You Giant fans are like. They have blankets and beanies and scarves, and it's June and July where everybody else is outside, summertime, beers, shorts, T-shirts. I mean, A's fans, you're kidding yourself. Our stadium's cold. I'm there every game. No one – there was a certain point when I was covering A's, Raiders, and A's all at the same time. You remember that? No one was at the Coliseum site more than I was. I had to do A's, Raiders, and Warriors year-round. I did it for a few years. Nobody was doing it more than me. Windy and cold on a consistent basis other than day games in the summer. At night, start of the season, end of the year, brutally cold. So you want to talk about not hitter-friendly. You want to talk about crazy state taxes. Makes for a recipe of there's a reason why the Giants have a ton of money and they haven't been able to land anybody. And the only way they landed Correa was they had to grossly overpay him. They're going to look back and say, whew, thank God we didn't have that deal. 13 years, was it? Yeah. It was 13. That sounds about right. I was I was at 12. Let me just, let's, let's fact check ourselves. Fact check, 13 years, Carlos Correa to the Giants. Thirteen three fifty. Yep. Don't doubt. Sorry, me it was it was twelve with the Mets. Yeah. See, uh, you just you need to just sometimes sit back and learn. Uh, yeah, he wasn't worth that, but you had to grossly overpay him. It's a problem for California teams. I first started seeing this with the Raiders, and Niner people will tell you this because of my buddy. Fact check me here. One of the top agents in football is Doug Hendrickson. San Jose State, great, former teammate of mine. He now has – he's been one of the top football agents. And he started talking to us about this going, it's a problem for California team. It's a problem for the Niners, Raiders, Rams, Chargers. Well, that now goes to what? Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, uh, the hockey teams, Sharks, Kings, Ducks. Uh, it hurts A's, Giants, Dodgers. Angels, Padres. Sacramento Kings. Who? Well, it's looking at California. Hey, it doesn't matter. The third, hey, they're third in the West right now. Are they really? Yeah, they're really good this year. They can't play any defense, but they can score. I have nothing wrong. At least you're entertaining. That's like the old Nuggets yeah. back in the day. They played a game last week, double overtime against the Clippers. They won 176-175. I just went rock on you right there. Just now. I, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, Hayward's own. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's not from Hayward. Born in Hayward. Grew up in Philadelphia. I was about to say, he's out because, you know, we would have been, we would have. Don't you remember at WrestleMania when we were there? He goes, The Rock's an East Bay boy. That's what he said in his promo. No, I do not remember yeah. that. It was then he brought Ronda Rousey in the ring and it was the whole thing. So, taxes are a big thing. And I know we don't like to hear it, but it's a reality. And weather's a big thing. And it's going to be tough going forward as. Our politicians and our state want to keep taxing people who make a lot a lot of money more and more and more. I mean, they've, you know, they're trying to get it from 13.3%. I mean, you're not in this tax bracket. I'm not in this tax bracket. But they're trying to, I've, I've, there's been one politician, I think he's out of Oakland, who wanted to get it up to 18%. So 
81 home games, you're getting taxed by California 18. I'm not a I'm not an accountant, but you're going to get taxed 18% on what you make for 81 home games. Do you know how much money that is? Versus if I go to play like let's say for the Red Sox. And that was a huge thing for the Panda as you called him. 5 for 95, I think he's on the I I called Red him Sox. I called him two pizza panda after every game. Uh Pablo <laughs> Sandoval that's not right. That's I take that back. I take the hit the dump button. Oh, we, we, can't yeah, we do don't have that. that. We can't do that in streaming. Um, I got that from Aubrey Huff, my old radio partner. Um, God, Aubrey was great, and then he just went off the. He went like super political on us, and now everybody hates him. Is that what happened? Uh, I think so. I don't. But know. he gave me some great stories about the Giants. Like I can, I can tell you exactly how. I can tell you exactly how Melky Cabrera got popped for PEDs. We'll sh- save that for another show. Yeah, you shared that with me before. I, I can tell you exactly how it happened, and guys are still doing it. Wink, wink. There's still a way to juice your body with testosterone and then have it be out of your body within a certain amount of time so you won't test positive. Not that I'm promoting PED use. I'm just saying I was taught a lot by Aubrey Huff. I don't know about the political stuff that he went crazy on. I haven't followed it. I just know when I worked with him, he told me stuff about Posey. He told me all kinds of stuff. Um, where was I going with this? Now I remember because you went off on oh, the oh. clubhouse So stuff. Panda. So Oh, yeah. Two Pizza Panda, you called him. Two Pizza Panda. Post-game, Two Pizza Panda. He'd beat up the spread and then eat pizza. Uh, so, essentially, Massachusetts is a flat 5% state tax. Flat. So, the deal that you had the same deal on the table between the Giants and the Red Sox. Right? Apple. It's a true apples-to-apples deal. But the state taxes in California versus Massachusetts, it's like a difference of like $8 million. And typical Giant fan, what's the big area? What's $8 million? To a guy that grew up where Pablo grew up, $8 million? I don't know about you, $8 million is a big difference. But, you know, to the Bay Area, it's the Bay Area. You get to play here. It's the greatest place. What's $8 million? I'm not afraid to admit that $8 is a big, dif- a big deal to me. $8 million. And so he signed with Boston. And I think he just wanted out anyway. But, I mean, it's a difference. I mean, it's a problem for us. It is a problem to get free agents to the Bay Area, to Southern California. Who was the last big free agent to sign here? Durant, probably. When he signed on 4th of July, like, six or seven years ago now. That would be the last big guy, right? Well, yeah, uh, in, in, in the state of California. Or just, I'm talking the Bay Area. The biggest free agent has been Machado. You know, money-wise, I was going to say, name-wise, I think LeBron. But, yeah, money-wise, Machado. Money-wise, by far, Machado's, Machado's the biggest free agent to ever sign in the state of California. Like, there's no one even close. Yeah, because Otani came over as an international signing. LeBron, LeBron got a – Mookie Betts was traded, then yeah. signed. Trout, um, Trout re-signed after being drafted by the Angels. Posey's deal was he was drafted, brought up through the yep. system. Bonds didn't make crazy Steph, money. Steph Curry, same thing. By the way, you know the thing about Bonds, which is amazing? Bonds bitched and complained about money in Pittsburgh, but once he got to the Giants, he signed that deal. And then throughout the years, even I mean, even when Bonds was hitting seventy-three home runs, he wasn't the highest-paid player. But you never heard Bond, Bonds just always re-signed one, two-year deals. Was making like eighteen million. Bond, Bond, there, Bonds wasn't a problem with money. I don't remember that. I remember Bonds just always he was here. They were going to pay him. They're going to pay him good money. He was going to be the highest-paid guy. 
but he wasn't complaining. Like, Ricky Henderson always complained about money. Didn't Bond, when Bond signed his deal, isn't like six for 36 or something when he signed with the Giants? I think it was 40 something. Okay. Either way, it was 90, still. And that was 94? No, 90, after the 90, 92? 92 season, yeah. 90 something? It was a lot of money. There was no question about it. But Bond's later on. But that's a problem for us. It is a problem. It is a real, real problem. The only reason Machado signed in San Diego because they were the only ones willing to do the deal. You've got to gro- grossly overpay to get guys to be free agents in California. Sad, but that's where we are, right? And if that's the case, what does that mean for the A's where we are now? We got no shot. And you talk about why you need Howard Terminal. We need Howard Terminal just to be thought of. I'm not saying Howard Terminal gets us top free agents. We need Howard Terminal just to, like, like put it this way. Free agents, top free agents, if you built a ballpark at the Coliseum site on the asphalt to just have a ballpark, that ain't doing it. You, 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 need, you need something to get people to sign, right? You need Howard Terminal. You need a jewel. We're going to have to overpay and have a jewel to get guys here. Because otherwise, they're not going to sign. Like, like, I mean, you think Seattle has signing dudes? Look, look at the amount of talent that left Seattle. Homegrown. I mean, you have no Andy Johnson wasn't technically homegrown. Yeah. But he kind of is because he found himself there. Griffey, A-Rod. Etro, well, they no, said Etro, but. N- nobody, nobody, wants, nobody wants to go. They, they fly more than anybody else. Nobody wants to go there. The only two guys that come to mind for them recently were, because uh, King Felix obviously drafted by them, uh, would be Robbie Ray and no, no. R- Robinson Cano. And what did they have to do with both those guys? Overpay. They had to overpay. So you got teams that have to dramatically overpay to get guys. Seattle, that would that's going to be us. When when the fans say, oh, my God, man, we, we, need, we need to spend more money in free agents, we're going to have to dramatically overpay and have Howard Terminal to make it happen. That's just a reality. I mean, how are you going to fight a team in Texas? How are you going to fight a team? Well, Florida, if a team ever in Florida wanted to spend, what an advantage that would be. You know, no state taxes. I mean, you can't, you can't, how do you fight that? You just get drilled on the taxes. And players look at that going, because here's the other thing you don't think about when you sign with a team in the West. So, I'm going to play 81 home games at home. Probably the best example is the NL West teams. This is a great example. Let's say you're uh, Friedman from L.A. and you call me, right? You're going to call me, right? Yeah. Offer me big money. And I'm going to be like, you know, it's great. You're going to tax me at the highest level. And I know taxes is not sexy to talk about. I'll end on this. You're going to tax me at the highest level for the 81 home games that I got to play at Dodger Stadium, right? Correct. Uh, I then got to go play in San Diego. Am I getting taxed? Yes. Uh, San Francisco. Yes. Oh, by the way, wh- who's our rival in the South? L.A. And now we're going to for sure play the A's. Yeah. You're well over a hundred games that you're playing. If you're a California player in the West, way over a hundred games. Because let's say, let's say that year you're playing the A's at home. Doesn't matter if you're playing the A's. If you're the, if I'm a Dodger, yeah. I'm playing the A's in Oakland or L.A. You're going to be tax way more than 100 games at California taxes, more than any other player in the big leagues. 
you're in the state with the highest state taxes, and you're going to play the most games there. You'll play, if you're a giant Dodger Padre, and the fact that you got to play the Angels and the A's, you're going to play well over 100 games in the state of California. Versus everywhere else, you want to add that money up? It's life-changing money when you think about that. It's crazy. And I don't know what it's going to be, and it's just going to get worse for California teams. I'll end on that. Down in spring training, as we laughed, I don't know if he's going to be a presidential candidate. He could be. He could be. Fran in 24, as we may call it. He's a great leader of men. We love having him on the program. Fran Reardon, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators, very good friend of A's Cast Live, joins us now. Great to have you again. How are you? I'm I'm great. I'm glad to be back in Arizona. My favorite time of the year, spring training in uh in Phoenix and uh, just having a blast. Starting to warm up a little bit and Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Good time of year. It's almost like you brought your Buffalo Bills weather with you for the first couple of days here. A lot of people accuse me of that. You know, every every <laughs> every time I see someone who I haven't seen, like you bring that that crummy Buffalo weather with you. I didn't try to. <laughs> I tried to leave it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it, it and it, it's nice when it warms up. It's easier for the players because when you do get high winds and you get cold, there's there's only so many things you guys can do. Because I know, like right, right now, there's a ton of teaching going on with these players before you actually get into the games. There is. It's a it's a great time to to reinforce fundamentals, to introduce the new players from different organizations to the, the Oakland Athletics way and how we, we do things here. And uh, sometimes it's difficult in the mornings when it's, you know, 35, 40 degrees and people are sitting around listening to the – a coach explains something that's going on on the field, but it's, it's always like this early in spring training here. And then it starts to warm up a week or two into it. And it turns into just beautiful weather all the time, but guys are really doing a good job of focusing and getting it, getting in their, uh, their work early. I'm real curious. Cause I, I asked Mark Kotze this a little bit ago, and obviously you run, a, you run a lot of the things down here. Um, how different is this year? No lockout, not talking about COVID anymore. How different is this year from, from what we saw last year? So many changes and kind of like a lot of chaos last year. Well, it's it's different in the fact that it's normal. You know, we haven't really had a normal spring training since 2019 with all the different things that have come up in the last few years. So it, it feels good to get back to that normalcy, that full spring training schedule, uh, not having to worry about the CBA or not having to worry about uh, COVID testing. And it just feels, it feels good. It feels natural. And and I think the biggest thing, it feels normal. Yeah. That's that. It's wonderful, right? It's it, like, it it's like wonderful being back. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Now there's a lot of competition going on here at camp. And I know that from the outside, a lot of people have said, ah, the A's are not going to have anything. It's like, ah, there's a lot more talent here than you think. And whoever doesn't make the big league club, I think you have to be excited. You're going to be getting a lot of talent down there in Las Vegas. I think so. I'm, I'm still getting to know a lot of the new players, just just getting to know their names, let alone their abilities and what they can can do on the field and uh, their individual talents. But, yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be a situation, in my opinion, just from, from the first look, that we will have more depth in the organization. We will have more talent on the major league roster, and I think that'll trickle down to the AAA roster as well. And that's exciting. You know, I, I, I think that you you have to give the front office credit that there is more depth and there is more talent. And uh, obviously time will tell how we're going to be on both the major league level and the AAA level, but it's, it's, it's an exciting time. 
So something that people probably don't think about is last year, the A's used a record 64 players. Well, then that means that there's a lot of guys coming up and down from AAA. People don't think about that, but that affects you guys dramatically with all the different faces. Yeah, it, it does, and that, that's part of the gig. And last year was more severe, more significant as far as player moves, guys going up and down, and and guys getting opportunities, which to me is the most important thing from my job's perspective is to, to hopefully get guys ready to come up and be productive major leaguers. And it, it definitely affects our roster, but it's it's part of the part of the process, and it's why they have a AAA team to to be a, a depth and a feeder system for the major league team, and uh, uh, hopefully that'll continue to to happen at a, at a not not such a high rate this year, but it, it will definitely happen. And uh, you know, we just make the adjustments as as you go along. We tell our fans all the time: make the trip down to Vegas, go see the Aviators. I mean, Vegas is Vegas, but then you throw the aviators in there. The ballpark is absolutely beautiful. The experience, you guys are always really good. The ballpark is great. I mean, it's a fun time. People from the Bay Area, take a little vacation, come down and, and see the aviators play. Yeah, it's a, it's a short flight. It's a beautiful drive, and it's a, a great place to go. You, you think of Vegas, and you think of, oh, you know, it's just the strip, and the stadium's not, not even – it's close to the strip, but it's a 20 minute drive and it's a beautiful area. And there's the Red Rock Canyons there and there's great golf and there's great restaurants. And the stadium is a, an absolute pearl, you know, in the right there in the middle of Summerlin. And it's a, like you said, it's a great experience. The front office does a fantastic job of creating that experience. And uh, yeah, if, if you haven't been there, it's definitely worth the trip. All right. We got to end on this because I know you got to get over to Fitch. Uh, I work with a Jets fan and. I, I, the Jet fan now, for some reason, really doesn't like Buff, the Buffalo Bills Mafia. And I'm like, well, you know, the Jets haven't won anything in a long time. And they're trying to discount that you guys have been in the playoffs the past couple of years. But I said, well, they're building something. The Bills are building something. And I expect the Bills, the Bills to continue to build to where the Jets, I, I just keep seeing building failure. What do you have to say to a colleague of mine who's a Jets fan who's a Bills hater and really has no right to be? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to talk to him because the Jets, not not only are they building a almost a tradition of failure, they're, they're building on a record of how many head coaches and offensive coordinators they can have in a five-year period. And uh, I, I think they're trying to trample that record. They're doing a great job. So, you know, we'll see what happens next year. But the Bills keep making the playoffs. They haven't got past that final hump yet. Yeah. But uh, I, I think we're in a little bit better situation than the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean they're they're building a, a they're building a loser basically, and I don't know why they're looking at anybody else, judging anybody else. Uh, I was down at the AT and T, saw your quarterback playing. Allen's a big kid, and uh, man, special. Yeah. I, it, when he, so when you walk next to him, so I'm walking next to him at Pebble Beach, and I'm thinking the size, like you see him on TV, but the size of him. To move the way he does at that size as a quarterback is amazing. It's incredible. That's why he's so fun to watch. I mean, he's 6'5", 255, and, and he runs like a, like a fast tight end. Or he almost a, looks like a big outside linebacker. Yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. You know, and, and just that makes his athleticism and the, what he can do on the football field that, that much more exciting. And uh, it's it's pretty fun time to be a Bills fan with him at the quarterback. Well, we appreciate the time. You know we're going to be calling you during the season. We got to check in on the Aviators. It's always fun. So we uh, thank you so much for coming out here. I know you got to get over to practice, but we will be calling here in just a little bit. I will always answer. Thanks, Tony.
Reardon and 24. I just – Fran Reardon, leader of men, could be president of the United States. I, I mean, love it. A, 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 a ticket of Reardon Emerson. Got my vote. Oh, I'd vote for that in a second. Plus, plus Fran crapped all over our unknown coworker. We won't say his name. Okay, so Karate Kid Ray, Ray Jensen, <laughs> the reason why he's a big Jets fan, he, in that interview, it, we kind of went a little inside on that, I'll admit. But I knew how to explain it to you. So Ray Jensen, behind, he's right behind me in that interview. He's a massive Jets fan. And he's ripping the bills before Fran comes out. And, ran, and Fran is a huge, goes to all the bills games, right? So as I'm as I'm ripping the Jets, it's and he says I want to talk to the guy, Ray Jensen, the Karate Kid, Mister Black Belt, doesn't peep up. He's got a headset on. He could have easily <laughs> took his mic out of mute and said, "Hey, Bills fan, slow down. I'm a Jets guy. Wanted no part of he wa- Hey, the the Black Belt wanted no part of, of the power that is Fran Reardon. He had his opportunity. I left it open. He was right behind me. He knew he had a headset on. He knew what I was saying, and he wanted no part of it. Because he knows Fran's a leader of men. He's a member of Bill's Mafia. Would have squashed him like a grape. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, 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 yeah. You're Mr. Black. He, that's what Fran would have done to his black belt. I'll see he would have Ra- laughed at his black belt. I'll make sure if Ray's not watching this live, I'll make sure to bring it up because I'm going to see him on Sunday at the wrestling paper. Gutless. <laughs> Tell him I said it. He was <laughs> gutless. You had your chance to take on Fran Reardon, and you wanted no part of it. That's right. Go to fake wrestling because that would have been real. <laughs> Taking on Fran against the Karate Kid, Ho-Ho Camp Park, pay-per-view coming your way next spring training. Coming up next, Johnny on the spot. Johnny Dosco will join us. He's not Johnny Solo today. Uh, What is he hot on? What's he seeing? And somebody's back in the lineup. It's good to see. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty. We head back to the Valley of the Sun. Johnny Dasco, Johnny on the spot. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Townie. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. We've gotten into a lot of discussions today. I was basically earlier in the show breaking down what our pitchers need to do to hold runners while using the pitch timer as an advantage, not as a disadvantage. I think it's going to be very important, very or not now, but early in the season, to show all the scouts that are watching, to put it on the video, that when that clock is going down to three, two, one, when that hit one, boom, we throw over. Just so they know that they can't get this walking lead and then just take off when the timer's ending before a pitcher gets penalized. I think that's something that we're going to need to really do early to keep the base runner thinking the whole time. Will he throw over? Will he won't? Because one big problem that's going to be for certain pitchers, if they don't like to throw over and it becomes very obvious, runners are going to take huge advantage of this. 
No question. Especially we talk about the top three in the Diamondbacks order. Those guys will be running with reckless abandon. But, yeah, you know, look, there there is going to be some strategy involved for sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, Max Scherzer said it best when he said, look, I control it. I control the pace now. Before the batter controlled the pace, now the pitcher, it just depends on your perspective, but the pitcher now controls the pace. So I think pitchers are going to find a way to take advantage of it, maybe run it down like you said a little bit. There will be some strategizing for sure with these pitchers uh, come the pitch clock. But uh, right now I'm not sure who has the, the advantage early on, but I think the pitchers eventually will, will have the edge on this. Yeah, we saw it. it. It was, I don't know if it still is, Cody, the number one story, Peralta with the Yankees striking out a uh, a guy for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was the top story on MLB.com. They did it in 20 seconds. I mean, he got the ball, boom, 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 less than 20 seconds, strike three. So, you know, kind of like how we see in football. Do you want to snap the ball late? Do you want to snap the ball early? You know, basketball, we going to move it around and utilize the clock? Or are we going to quick shoot? And if we miss, we get the rebound, put it back out. I mean, how do you utilize time? For the first time in the history of baseball, we're going to see how the clock will be utilized. And you can utilize it slow or fast. You can wait till the 20 seconds are over, or you can get it and go right away as a pitcher. But there will be strategies. Certain players are going to use it to their advantage. They will. And I also think that it's going to – I think it will affect uh, velocity with these – bullpen guys the guys that are that are in shape the relievers that are in the best shape are going to benefit the most from this because you're going to have if you have a reliever in there and he's out of shape and he's he's trying to hustle he'll lose a couple ticks on his velocity um as you get later in his outing so i think that's going to be a factor too i think the the guys that are in the best shape it's going to pay off for them the most especially these late inning high leverage relievers uh it's going to help you to be be in shape and uh, be able to, to to bust through that well, good news today for the A's. Ramon Laureano is going to be in the lineup. What do we know about the whole lower body injury, as we like to say in hockey? How's he feeling? He's feeling good. You know, he's, he's excited to get out there, probably have one or two at-bats, had some groin tightness, but he, he's he's uh, he's in there and he's uh, he's excited to get going. He was in great spirits today. He said, I'm ready to go. So uh, he, he's looking forward to it. And he'll have, as, as I said, probably one or two at bats, I believe, but just to see him out there and, and get it going again is, is going to be, is going to be really exciting. Manny Pena had some, some calf tightness and he's, he's pretty close too, I believe. So uh, that'll be exciting to see him back in the, back in the lineup too. I think he's a few days away, I believe. Yeah. It's just part of spring training, right? It, we, we, we get to a point to where there's the, the nicks and the dings that you got to deal with health-wise, and guys are going to miss some games. And you just want to get everybody ready to rock, get everybody's bodies ready, make sure everybody's healthy for when you start the season, whether you make the big club or you go to Las Vegas or even to Midland, that you're going to be ready to rock because obviously we're going to utilize a lot of players. And I talk about this all the time about how spring training's not equal for everybody. If you've got a long-term guaranteed contract, you come to spring training just to get in shape. Well, for the A's, we don't have anybody like that. When you come here to spring training, from the minute you get here to the minute you leave, you're competing for a job. And Ramon Laureano is there because Ramon Laureano got popped for PEDs. He served his suspension. And last year, as we talked to him, down there at Ho-Ho Cam, it was about, I'm coming to prove everybody. I'm proving everybody wrong. I chip on my shoulder, and he didn't play well. So we're kind of in a uh, moment of truth here. Age-wise, he's in his prime. We need to find out 
who is the real Ramon Laureano? Yeah, and you know, in spring training's funny because you know, look, it's you don't want it to be so much a results oriented, but some guys are competing for jobs. And I'm not saying Ramon is; he's probably starting in the outfield. But for a guy like Pache, who's trying to compete for for a job, you know, you talk about is spring training about results? Well, for some guys, it is. He's competing for a job. But yeah, huge year, obviously, goes without saying for Ramon Laureano, and uh, he's he's ready to prove the naysayers wrong. He's got he's got a chip on his shoulder right now, and he's ready to dominate. So you want a guy hungry like that going in. So we'll see what happens. But I think he's uh, he's definitely got a, a good spirit to him right now. I mean, he's so happy to be back in there, and he's hopefully. He, uh, is able to able to roll this year because the A's certainly need him. I tell you what, I get excited when I hear the name Kyle Moeller. I get excited. Mm-hmm. I think six seven. Yeah. I think nasty. I think a guy that can go once every five days. I don't want to hear about a six man rotation. I want a five man rotation, and I want guys that can go every five days. I get excited when you hear Kyle Moeller. Do you get excited? Yes, I do. I do. Big 6'7", 250-pound guy with great stuff. And, you know, look, as I said, I was talking to Vinny earlier about it. Look, he he's a guy that had, you know, a little failure early with the Braves. I think it's going to propel him. It's going to motivate him. He's He knows he's a big league pitcher. I heard you talk with David Forrest about the confidence he has. He's got that uh, that confidence. He's going to go in, and he wants to go. He doesn't want to go in and pitch well. He wants to absolutely dominate. And he's – you look, he, this guy's – a plus makeup. I mean that 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 goes without saying. And the fact that he's you know today he's working with Soderstrom and he's worked with Langoliers before and he's just got a great attitude and he's he's ready to dominate. He's ready to go in and dominate and, and I think he's uh, primed and ready to do that. So I'm looking forward to today. Last time he pitched, it was exciting just to watch watch his stuff, uh, watch him upsetting the timing of the hitters. And look, he, look, it was his first outing, right? So this will he'll be kind of extended. I think between 40 and 50, I believe today. So we'll see a little bit more from Kyle Muller. And then as we get into Mid-March, that's the exciting part. You get into mid-March and get March March 18th, March 20th, then the guys get where they're throwing 55, 60, 65, 70 pitches, and then we're getting close to close to opening day. So I, I'm looking forward to this uh, this start and see what Muller can do. You know, Soderstrom catching, you know, I know everybody's talking about the, his future is not behind the dish, but just the fact that here he is catching in big league camp, I mean, technically you're playing against big leaguers, I mean, to have a third catcher on your team, I just think later on when you think about versatility is the name of our game, how many positions can you play? Like our third catcher was Chad Pinder, right? And everybody went, oh, Chi can catch. And then we had Pinder on the program, and I started talking about it. He went, no, 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 no. no. That, that, that is like worst-case scenario, me being behind yeah. the dish. That will not be the case with Soderstrom. So that means you'd have a lot of fle- – we don't have a lot of flexibility a lot of flexibility with our bench anymore because we carry 13 pitchers. So if you got a guy like Soderstrom who he's playing first base and all of a sudden you need to pinch hit your backup catcher knowing that you now can take Soderstrom and make him your catch. I mean, having a legit three-guy catching group and Soderstrom being that third guy who can play first or the outfield, man, that would really help your versatility. It would. I don't know where he is down the road. I mean, he could be a first baseman down the road, but you're right. That does help having him as an emergency catcher in situations like that. I don't know if you don't want to put him back there, just how valuable he is uh, just with the bat. And and because uh, I think, I don't know, what do I know? But I, I think he's probably a first baseman of the future, but he obviously can catch. But the bat, just what we've seen from the bat lately, Townie with him just in these spring training games. And I know it's spring training, but, you know, he came in, he was a triple shy of the cycle. He didn't even start the game. He came in in the fifth inning at a single double and a home run. And the bat, 
you know, look, it's going to play. And he's a, he's a pure hitter. And I just, I, I just, I like to see him wherever he plays, whether it's catcher, first base, the outfield, whatever. I mean, there's a, I'm not play the outfield most likely, but I just want to see him hit because he can flat out hit. But you're right. Just having the ability to, to catch, having that third catcher is, is a benefit for sure. But I see him as a first baseman. Oh, I agree. But I just know yeah. with the way we are and the way our roster works, we need everybody. I mean, to have one guy, I mean, it was great having Olsen and Chapman, you know, but that's not that's not here now, right? And I hope Soderstrom becomes that guy, but I don't know. If Noda keeps hitting and he's not out of options and he's out of options and he wins this job, flexibility, I think, for all of our players with with the way that we have to build a twenty six man roster and we only have thirteen position players, uh, it's like the Tony Kemp theory. Bring three, four gloves to the yard because you never know where you're playing. Exactly. You have a ton of guys, too. Ton of guys on this team that can play a variety of positions. Uh, Led Miss Diaz, Jace Peterson. Guys can play all over the place. Uh, Nick Allen, he can move back and forth between second and short. Tony Kemp, the outfield and, and the infield. So I think that's really, really exciting. Just to, the, these guys can play all over the place. And I know Cody talks about will we even have, will we, will we have positionless baseball? I don't think we're going to get that far. But I do think that um, just having a bunch of guys that can play a variety of positions, that's where baseball's gone to. We've seen it in the minor leagues. See guys go up and and they they can play three or four or five positions, and it's only going to benefit guys, and especially a team like the A's, it's going to help them this year with these guys playing all over the place. All right, after this, you're getting on the plane, you're heading to Las Vegas, uh, you're yep. going to go to the Aviators Ballpark. Now, for us, when we went there last time, we were like, "Ooh, this is new." For you, you've done a bazillion games there. Uh, Tell us just offensively how crazy that ballpark is because the box scores, oh, wow. <laughs> it is, Townie. It's 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 a hitter's paradise, even more so than Cashman Field. I thought Cashman Field was was a hitter's paradise. This is even more of a hitter's paradise. So it, it should be – we may see – I mean, what, we see a 14-14 game the other day. We may see something like that at this ballpark because the ball just absolutely flies. You talk about big league hitters going in there, hitting absolute bombs. So it's going to be fun. I mean, just like the other Pacific Coast League teams in Salt Lake or stadiums, I should say, like Salt Lake and Albuquerque and El Paso and Reno. I mean, they're, they're crackerjack boxes. This one is a, a state-of-the-art AAA facility, beautiful facility, but the ball will fly. It's a pitcher's nightmare there. So hopefully uh, the A's can get some outs there and have some fun, but we, we, we will see some offense, no question about it. Rumor has it, last time you were there, you were three for four with two doubles. That's what they're saying. I actually they scored one there. I was two for four, but I I, I took a pitch the other way. I, I played pretty well there. Thanks. Yeah, well, it. I mean it's an offensive ballpark. Uh, when you're doing yes. the play by play there, it okay. Let's let's just say you're in Reno, you're in Salt Lake, you're in I I, I know uh, New Mexico, the uh, Albuquerque. <laughs> when, when when you're calling games at these parks and you're in elevation, you're in desert, you're in wind. Does everything look like it's a home run? Like even like routine pop-ups, you think, oh, this could be out. I mean, what's that like as a play-by-play guy? You do get conditioned, but you just get, you kind of have to wait. You kind of have to wait just a millisecond before you kind of watch the outfielders because you can be fooled on balls. You know, I know that the last time in 2012 when I went to when I went to Fenway and, and Vinny said, you know, get up to the box during batting practice because you're going to be fooled by some of these fly balls. And some of these places in the big leagues are really high. So, and you know, you kind of have to be be patient with it and kind of look at the outfielders and watch the ball. But it's, uh, yeah, you, you get conditioned in these hitter-friendly ballparks. These, these balls are all going to go out of the ballpark for sure. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You can't go, swung on and belted up. 
oh, it's a routine fly ball to right. <laughs> it is part of it. It's part of it. I know the feeling. <laughs> I know, yeah. So uh, you're going to have day games in Vegas. Any nice plans Saturday night? You're in Vegas. I mean, they've got 8 million restaurants and shows. What, what what's, what's Johnny D going to be doing in Sin City? Well, Johnny D is going to be hanging with his wife and kid. They, they had plans to come out here to Phoenix this weekend, and then when the plans changed, they changed their flight to Vegas. My daughter's 17, never been to Vegas. Uh-oh. So we're going to have a couple of nice dinners on, on uh, Friday and Saturday and look forward to I haven't seen them in a while, so I look forward to seeing my wife and kid and having a good time walking around the strip. It's going to be fun. Well, that's the thing, too, right? Now, you know, with teenagers, there's actually things, like, like I said, the shows, there's actually things you can do in no. Vegas that you can do with your teenagers and fun that you can have with your wife. I mean – you're not going to go on. You're not going to. You're not not going to have a good dinner. You can find great. I mean, yeah. it's the best place to eat in the country. There's there's more better. There, there's the, it's the best chefs technically in the world are in Las Vegas. So there's a lot of fun to be had. There is, Tony. Another thing too, uh, I'll probably save money by my wife and kid coming. I won't be at the tables, so so it'll be nice. So it's actually it'll be a, a, a really a money saving trip for me. Not going to play three card or blackjack or craps. This is actually a. It'll be a kind of a cost free, uh, cost free trip. Yeah, I, good. I. I wanted to ask. No wife. What is your game? You know what? I've been. I've been in the three card lately. I do like three card. I will play some blackjacks and some craps, but I, I three card has been my my game lately, and that's. It's obviously all luck. There's no skill involved at all. Uh, but I guess the skill would be to leave when you're ahead, which is the most difficult thing to do in Vegas. But yeah, it's uh, it, it is uh, it, that's probably my game lately. I I I kind of got out of blackjack for a few years. I'm kind of back into that too. But I do like craps. When you're rolling on craps, that's the best. No question about it. Blackjack is just it just never works out. Yeah, it just yeah. never works. You know, you know, my 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 late father would always say that uh, they didn't build those places in the middle of the desert where there is no water because they lose. No question. No question. Yeah. That's how they build those casinos. That's exactly right. No uh, question. And let's end on this. Kansas City. They got a lot of young talent. I don't know who's in the lineup today. Nothing's been posted. No. But uh, they're an interesting team to watch. I don't know what they do in the Central, but when they show up for a three-game set, they're going to have a lot of moving parts with a lot of athleticism and speed. And that Bobby oh, and, and that Bobby Witt kid can play a little bit at short. No question, Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, you got to remember this guy has not played that much baseball. He's played like one year of minor league baseball. The pandemic hit. He went up to the big leagues. He had 20 home runs. He's going to have a monster year this year. MJ Melendez is a stud. He had 100 hits last year. They have some good young talent. Pretty good. Pretty good rotation too, led by Brady Singer and of course Zach Granke and Jordan Lyles. So they they have some pitching there too. I mean, what? They may win 73, 74 games at the most, but it's going to be an exciting, exciting team for sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing them today. Brad Keller's getting the start today. He moved to the bullpen in August last year. So uh, we'll see what uh, see what Brad Keller does against against the A's today. All right, buddy. You have a good call today. All right. Thanks, Tony. Good to talk to you. Johnny D on the spot, getting us ready for a little A's baseball. Don't be selling me your Zach Grinky garbage with Kansas City. That is just – I don't even know why they signed him. I don't know what he's going to bring. It's not like he puts butts in the seats or he's like the great ambassador for your franchise. Why would you sign Zach Grinky? Why? What, what? What is the advantage of signing him? Leader in the clubhouse? He didn't talk to anybody. But I don't know. Uh, the Athletics were doing a special on him about some of the – Stories from and they're I guess that they want the, they want the athletic to keep the players in the clubhouse 
want them to keep doing more because there's so many good stories from Granky just from last year with the Royals. Just crazy. He's crazy. Um, I mean, you remember what we remember when he came to when he played for Houston and he would sit in the stands by himself during the pandemic season. He's just a he's a bizarre guy, but he's very and he's good. brutally honest with, yeah. with guys. So you want the super. OK, maybe that's not appropriate. How do I want to put it? You want the super different guy who can be cruel being the leader in your clubhouse? Why not? Toughen him up. Oh, oh! now you want to go old school. Yeah, that's what they need. Uh, by right. the way, let me ask you, another buying or selling. Ugh. Buying or selling, Zach Granke will reach 3,000 strikeouts this season. I have, I, You know what? I don't know. He's 118. And away. I don't care. Well, that, that'll solidify him for the Hall of Fame. He's not in already? Isn't he a 70-something war? 76 and a half. He's in. Yeah, but he's 118 away from. If you're going to put Scott Rowland in, that's going to be the new thing. Well, that's like. I've had multiple friends, longtime baseball guys. They played baseball. I mean, like yesterday. I played golf yesterday after the show, and I played with with three ex minor league baseball players. All right. You respect guys playing the minors. Yeah. Guys had talent. Uh, My buddy Dave Sick, who was our ace, Craig Constantino who is one of the great power hitters in San Jose State history. He's 6'5". He looks like a defensive end. He's huge. Um, yeah. And the consensus for everybody gets brought up all the time. Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. Well, we, when you and Spilly, Ryan Spielbergs, were talking about it yesterday about Todd Helton, he was like, well, look at his road splits, and we did it. We already did it. Scott Rowland's career stats, Todd Helton is at stop. If you, if you look – at Helton's career road statistics, they're equal with Roland's career statistics. Think about that. So you go, well, what do you do off the uh, off the mountain? What do you do off off out of Coors Field? He basically was Scott Roland on the road. Yeah, he was a career, I think, two eighty seven hitter on the road. And I don't, dis- I don't want to disparage Scott Roland. I mean, Scott Roland still, still to this day, I just don't think. Wow, Hall- when you got to dig down deep to justify it. Once again, there's different Hall of Famers, and I, I Scott Rollins in, he's in. But if Scott Rollins a Hall of Famer, Zach Greinke's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Greinke's going to get in, please. But he's 118 away from 3,000. Which I mean, if you if, you, if you're on is the, there anybody on the 3,000 list that's not in the Hall of Fame? Roger Clemens. Oh, God, I hate when you people do that. <laughs> Barry Bonds. <laughs> that's Pete Rose. Uh, 3,000. Uh, you know, probably who wasn't for a long time was Burt Blylevin. Uh, correct. Burt Blylevin took forever. Yeah. How about that? Burt Blylevin probably has close to 4,000 strikeouts, and he couldn't get in. But you're going to put Scott Rowland in? 19 guys have done it. And let's see. Okay, Clemens is number three. He's not in. Um, Wait, Allen. where's Blylevin? Go go back up. He's fifth. Burt Blylevin is fifth in strikeouts, and it took him to what, like the 14th try? Yeah. He just got in recently, a couple years ago, right? Yeah. What a joke. Uh, let's see. Everyone else. Everyone oh, else you on talked here. about how big strikeouts were. Everyone else is on here. Uh, Fergie For- Jenkins is in. Pedro's in. Bob Gibson's in. Schilling. That's two. Uh, CC, but he will get in most likely. And John Smoltz in. Think about that. There's going to be two more guys that probably, one and, for sure does this year. Kershaw's right there, too. Okay. Well, Verlander's on the list. He's going in. Yeah. Scherzer's on the list. He's going in. Correct. There's going to be two guys on the list that don't go in. One is going to be Roger Clemens' PEDs. The other is going to be Kurt Schilling, which is not PEDs. 
it's politics. Yes. Uh, politics. Politi- political views. It will be why Kurt Schilling, which led to some anger stuff, <laughs> obviously, uh, but that's why he's not in. Not PEDs. So you're going to have actually guys. It took forever to get Burt Blylevin in, who he's, what did you say, he's fifth or fourth all-time fifth, in strikeouts? Fifth all-time. Can you imagine that? The guy that was fifth all-time in strikeouts couldn't get in. It's incredible. And Scott Rowland's in. Yeah. Uh, Kershaw is 100. Is 100 Edgar and- Martinez is in. Yeah. The, a guy that only DH'd. You're telling me Big Poppy, who couldn't play defense, who is completely linked to PEDs, who was a terrible player in Minnesota, and then all of a sudden, wham, became a superstar. At like 26. And everybody tries to figure out a way to protect him. And Burt Blylevin, who was – who, by the way, when he got on the ballot, where did he rank in strikeouts? He was probably higher. Yeah, because let's see. Here's the guy. Let's, he, the guys ahead of him were obviously uh, – Nolan Ryan. I think you've heard of him. Steve Carlton uh, is fourth. Clemens, John, Randy Johnson, and Nolan Ryan. Okay, so when Burt Blylevin got on the ballot, Randy Johnson was still playing. So Burt Blylevin would have been third? Yeah, Clemens was still playing too. Clement, so he was third. Would have been, yeah. So a guy that was third in the history of baseball and strikeouts couldn't get in the Hall of Fame? It's, uh, it's I think there's a Steve Carlton. I think I have a uh, factoid about Steve Carlton. I think that's who it was that they talked about. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, here you go. 40 years ago today, Steve Carlton agreed to a four-year contract for a total of $4.15 million, making him the highest-paid player, highest-paid pitcher in Major League Baseball history. He was great in 1983, good in 84, okay in 85, and toast by 1986. Still, this contract represents about two-thirds of his total career earnings. This is from High Heat Stats on Twitter. Forty years ago today, he agreed to a four-year, $4.15 million That's a contract. lot of money, man. Yeah. Nolan Ryan was the first million-dollar guy. Yeah, so I told – That's so a lot of money my, my, back then. My wife's That's grandfather – a lot of money today, but that was a lot of money back then. Is he, and by the way, that, that makes sense to me. Because that would have been the height of Steve, the height of Steve Carlton. I was in junior high, and so I remember as a little kid the nineteen eighty World Series. I remember it, but you know we we in the West Coast didn't get a whole lot of Phillies games. You know, Tug McGraw, you know, Larry Boa. I mean, we didn't get a lot of that. So by the time we started getting more games. Steve Carlton wasn't the same guy as I got older. But as a kid, you you know you knew he was great. You just didn't see him a lot. Yeah. He was a great pitcher. I mean, obviously he's in the top five. Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton's slider was just filthy. Yeah. There, there's certain you know, you know, when Eno Saris goes stuff plus, there's certain guys, you want to know what stuff plus is? Is when you can get on the mound and you can tell people what's coming and they can't hit it. That stuff plus. I'm going to let everybody know this is what I'm doing, right? And you can't hit it, that stuff plus. The uh, There was there was something else I was going to bring up before we close. Oh, we didn't get to this yesterday. I'll bring it up quickly because we didn't get to it yesterday. Uh, about spring training numbers with a pitch timer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me uh, – the old playbook. Games is are going fast, uh, and the, it's great. The, this, the numbers are as of um, – through February 28th. So, so far in spring training, like as I said, the games, this is through February 28th, so it would have been Tuesday. 
players were hitting 272 with an average of 11.9 runs scored per game. That's up from a batting average of 259 and 10.6 runs through the same period in 2021. So the new rules are helping. The average game time through February 28th was two hours and 39 minutes. That's down from 301 over the same stretch last spring. And shifting, you know, there's a whole thing about shifting, but the shiftings are down. Now there's more hits. As you can see, the average 272 opposed to 259 last year. But Tim Kirkshin, he talked to a future Hall of Famer, and the future Hall of Famer gave his opinion, and we're supposed to care because of the future Hall of Famer. You know how many of these guys are going to be completely wrong? People, ah, you know, I'm not sure stolen bases are going to be up that much. Ah, I'm not sure how much that shifting's going to work. Ah, I don't know this. Ah, I don't know that. You're going to see numbers go up. Number. How about this? Production goes up, time goes down. The exact thing that baseball wanted to happen. You're going to have more action, and you're going to have games that go at a lesser time. And I'm trying to explain to people that even, like the guys I played golf with yesterday, are we sure we need this? I'm like, yeah, because you know what? A lot of people say Tuesday night, I can't be there for three and a half hours. I can be there for two hours, two hours and 15 so on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's shorter games will be, mean more people can come to the ballpark. But you wait. All these people went, I'm not so sure this is really going to do much. You wait. Numbers are going up. Time of game going down. All great news. As Marty Lurie said, the most interesting year in the history of baseball. We got to go? We got to go, yeah. A's Royals next. We'll see you next Tuesday right here on A's Cast Live. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.